Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. Episode number 108, I do believe. <clears throat> 107, my fault. I'm so sorry. 107, episode number 107. And um, with that in mind... Boy, have I got something for you, my audience, as soon as I find it, we're going to discuss it. So seeing as though that CM Punk came back this past week to, uh, I guess, wrestling, or at least he came back to the WWE, I shouldn't say wrestling, he came back to wrestling whenever he came back to uh whenever he came to WWE, uh, whenever he came to AEW, rather, um, that's whenever he came back to wrestling, and um, one thing that I would like to discuss is the fact that this podcast has been uh, far too delayed, because I was supposed to have an episode out, probably, I try to get them out around Saturday, but I have no free time between work and... <clears throat> Uh, my sleep schedule getting fucked the fuck up. <clears throat> I really can't find the time to get this podcast out. For instance, tomorrow I'm going in at 12 and I'm not leaving until 8 o'clock at night. So that gives me probably, that gives me like a choice. Once I get home, after I obviously don't have a vehicle because I'm walking home right now. But once I get home, then what am I to do? Once I take care of my cats, you know, feed them, whatever else, cat maintenance, you know, and then after that, so get home, I'm going to be so fucking tired. I'm going to be so exhausted, done with like life, essentially, you know, enough of my constant aggravated, oh, you don't understand. I have a job and I have to work and all that nonsense. I'm not trying to do that. No. Oh, woe is me. <clears throat> because I know people who don't have a job, who don't have to work. All they do is sit on their ass all day and sell drugs or something. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that even though it's a part-time job, some jackass doesn't know anything about scheduling. Who schedules someone who is supposed to be getting part-time hours 12 o'clock until 8 o'clock at night. Like I said, that gives me one of two choices. 8 o'clock, I probably spend some time by myself doing whatever the fuck I want to do. You know, stayed up all night drinking, which I don't do, but that's an example. You know, the point is, is that whenever I get some time to myself, it's sort of, hey, now I can relax, you know, take my shoes off, not have to worry about anything. Whereas though that if I'm worried about anything, it's getting this podcast out. I could go home, like I said, once I get home at 8 o'clock. Stupid fucking hours. Once I get home, what am I going to do? I'm going to open up my Peacock app and then start taking notes for the next wrestling show. And that might not seem like such a big deal, but whenever you factor in... The fact that I can't just sit down and watch it, I have to take notes for it, pause it, take notes for it, pause it again, take notes, 
you know, just for consistency reasons, it sort of ruins the magic a little bit. Just a little bit. Now, I'm not complaining about, oh, woe is me, I have a podcast that I have to do. I'm complaining about the fuckfaces who decided that it was a good idea to um, schedule me 12 to 8. These odd work hours are so weird. I mean, yeah, eight hours. What am I complaining about? It goes by so slow. I don't, I don't know. Thank you for listening to my constant rambling as we also listen to a whole bunch of retards who don't know how to turn off their exhaust. What, what am I talking about? <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, there's like five different roads and they, they decide to take the one that I'm on. I swear, this is like rednecks are retarded. <clears throat> Las Vegas, Nevada, June 27th, 2011. And this is, believe it or not, the second time that we will be reviewing a Raw Roulette episode. <clears throat> this is something that was Eric Bischoff's idea, but Eric Bischoff is no longer in power, or he's no longer an on-screen general manager for the WWE. <coughs> um... So I guess they just stole his idea and then ran with it because they are in, as I said, as I stated before, Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, one of the perks of being in Las Vegas is the fact that everybody there is always gambling and, you know, oh, you can hit it rich in Las Vegas, you know, like New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere is what they say. <coughs> one of the two are the city that never sleeps or maybe that's both of them, but I'm pretty sure that's. New York City, it's the city that never sleeps. <clears throat> Tonight, all matches will be determined by the spin of a roulette wheel. Uh, it will be determined uh, what matches will be underway uh, here tonight. And for th those of you viewers, avid listeners, I should say, uh, notice that there is a second ever, yes, this is the second ever Raw Roulette that we are looking at here on the Gut Wrench Podcast. <clears throat> In the history of the Gut Wrench Podcast, HBK Chance, as Shawn Michaels, is in the ring talking about how he tried to stay away, f you know, in retirement, and it's hard to stay away, and uh, goes on to say how he hates how there's always a different celebrity every week, and we are in the celebrity era, the era of um, WWE bringing in a different celebrity all the time to do something stupid. They're all the time, like like Chris Angel was on one time, and he was uh, there to, I think he was promoting his magic kit or, or something like that. He had some sort of a a magic kit that he was trying to get sold. He didn't do anything like crazy like he usually does. You know, I mean, Chris Angel is something out of this world. 
And one time they had like uh uh fuck David Hasselhoff on there and I don't know what he was there to promote but <clears throat> anyway, uh Shawn Michaels goes on to say how there's always a different celebrity every week on here on Monday Night Raw talking about their new product or their new book or their new TV show or their new movie. They're just here to plug something. They're basically here to uh, sell audience members who paid good money to see, uh, to be entertained, to sell them something, some product that they probably don't need. Shawn Michaels then goes on to say that the last thing that he's going to do to the fan base that's been watching him for 20 plus years is let them know that he just so happened to got a TV show on the Outdoors channel that premieres tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, that's what he's, he's on here, basically, to plug his TV show that he's got that happened to um, premiere on the Outdoors channel tomorrow, uh, the next day from when this was recorded, rather. <clears throat> And, uh, fun fact, I'd actually, uh, I'd actually read some of Shawn Michaels' book. The title of the book, if you're interested, is, uh, Wrestling for My Life. And it's an aptly named title because that's exactly what happened. He was wrestling for his life, uh, for the longest time. Uh, Shawn Michaels became addicted to painkillers, um, and it's... It's sad to see your to see your role models talk about that in a book that they wrote. And, you know, whenever I read that title, I was always like, oh, my God, I get it. Wrestling for my life. That makes sense. You know, if he was a boxer, he could have said fighting for my life. It would have been an aptly named, you know, title. Aptly, of course, meaning appropriate. But... <laughs> What I mean to say is that Shawn Michaels then goes on to say that that's the last thing that he would want to do to a fan base that's been watching him some 20 plus years, you know, They'd come out and talk about how he's got this just so happens that he's got this TV show <clears throat> on the outdoors channel, you know. <laughs> And about halfway through his spiel of what CM Punk calls irrelevancy, or trying to stay relevant, um, the number one contender for the WWE Championship, according to Michael Cole, shows up, and his name is CM Punk. So they hit his music, he, he shows up, he's got a microphone in his hand, and we'll be talking about CM Punk a lot today, because... Seeing as though, I thought it was appropriate to look at this episode, seeing as though that Punk it returned to the WWE this week <clears throat> at the Survivor Series pay-per-view. I shouldn't say this week, but, you know, more or less one week ago, <clears throat> uh, shows up, and his name is CM Punk. And just like last week, uh... I have to wonder why, why it is his music is dubbed over, is not dubbed over, <clears throat> uh, 
it may seem like just a simple uh, fill the time or something. What I'm doing is trying to point out an inconsistency in some of WWE's programming, just like Rob Van Dam, who has his who has a song named One of a Kind by a band known as Breaking Point, but just like Kane, who has a song called Slow Chemical by a band called Finger Eleven. <laughs> Except I'm left wondering, uh, does WWE still own the rights to a song by Killswitch Engaged entitled This Fire Burns? <clears throat> Do you have to pay that royalty one time, or do you have to pay uh, for the music to be used the one time, or can you just use it, uh, therefore, whenever you please, without any sort of repercussions, Any, despite these inconsistencies, CM Punk shows up, and he is the leader of a group known as the New Nexus. <clears throat> CM Punk with some shocking news, according to Michael Cole. And uh, this all makes sense. This all makes sense uh, here in just a minute. Maybe in a few hours. Maybe by the end of this program. <sighs> See, Punk, on the other hand, with uh, some shocking news, according to Michael Cole. As I was uh, saying before, that news was that he plans on not signing back with the WWE after he wins he already gave out the spoiler as to what's going to happen at the money in the bank pay-per-view which is a big no-no in the world of professional wrestling because Punk literally gave out the ending of the match and believe it or not that's what would actually go on to happen. CM Punk would win at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. It's just a matter of fact that CM Punk has that that um, bass in his voice whenever he says, I'm going to beat John Cena at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And then everyone's, you know, like, oh, okay, are you? And then he's like, oh, yeah, you already know that. You know, he's like, Stop acting like you don't know what's going to happen at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Nothing's going to stop me from beating him, you know. <clears throat> CM Punk then goes on to tease HBK by saying something of the sort called him a loser, saying how he couldn't get the job done uh, with The Undertaker. HBK goes all smiles goes from all smiles as to looking like he just had the worst day of his life after Punk mentions that he lost to The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Punk goes on to say that whenever he leaves the WWE, he will be leaving a winner unlike Shawn Michaels who left a loser. <clears throat> Shawn Michaels then goes on to say, at the end of the day, CM Punk, you've got your style and I've got mine proceeds to super kick so cm punk and Shawn michaels are both in the ring i didn't mention this but like i said cm punk is the leader of the new nexus well flanked by the cm punk are two members of the new nexus just so happens to be the tag team champions michael mcgillicuddy and david otunga 
Otonga gets kicked right in square in the jaw, and then afterwards, um, McGillicuddy gets cut, gets cut, I'm sorry, gets uh, kicked right square in the mouth, and they both drop like a sack of potatoes, so to speak, you know, I mean, I wouldn't know how to drop a sack of potatoes, I would want all the potatoes to stay right in that bag. Shawn Michaels then goes on to say, at the end of the day, CM Punk, you've got your style and I've got mine. Then proceeds to superkick David Otunga, who is just standing beside a CM Punk. Uh, they are two-thirds of a group known as the New Nexus. Well, they're representing two-thirds of a group known as the New Nexus. <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure how many people are in the New Nexus. I mean, if I had to guess... There were like four or five in the Nexus group, and the new Nexus, I don't really think, uh, defected any members. <clears throat> Who are standing uh, beside a CM Punk because they are, okay, of a group known as the new Nexus. According to CM Punk, uh, accompanying, rather, uh, CM Punk to the ring... Michael McGillicuddy and David Otunga at this time were the WWE Tag Team Champions. They didn't have the Raw nor the SmackDown Tag Team Championships at this time, if I remember correctly. <coughs> Booker T then comes out, except he's not live. Call me crazy. And here's why I say that he's not live. There has to be some sort of rigged system for this to work. Keep in mind that today, or rather at the time of this recording, not this recording as in this recording of this podcast episode, but this recording as in this episode of Monday Night Raw that I am reviewing. How exactly would they get the wheel to spin and land on the desired result that they would want it to land on because spinning a wheel and getting it to land on something completely random, you know, like professional wrestling isn't exactly random. You know, they don't exactly go out there without a plan. <clears throat> These sorts of things are, are choreographed. They are talked about behind closed doors and you know you you look at your opponent you have to have a certain amount of trust for your opponent because this is a performance art let's let's be honest here <coughs> and in doing so you know uh, imagine six okay we'll be right back As I was saying, and just a second ago, I just got interrupted by these um, construction workers who were working on jackhammers, and I decided to go ahead and end the recording. Anyway, as I was saying, Booker T, who at that time, at that time rather, was... Well, in the back room, 
of the WWE's locker room somewhere and you see it leads me to believe that he wasn't he wasn't you know live like they would want you to think what I believe is that Booker T had previously aired some some sort of segment or he had recorded rather not aired but recorded some sort of segment where he advertently was put in a situation where he was like okay I got an idea guys let's go ahead and spin the wheel keep in mind this is raw roulette um raw roulette usually happens it was Eric Bischoff's idea to begin with but I want to say once or twice a year, you know, just a spur-of-the-moment decision that they decided to make where they spin a wheel and whatever match type that it lands on is what exactly it is that you're going to be, you know, facing off against. And if that's the case, and in this case that is the case, and... That should make sense because I said it made sense. So, if that's the case and should make sense, Booker T is in is not rather in the back room about to spin a wheel. No, no, no. See, I believe that WWE had already previously recorded Booker T spinning the wheel so that they could get the certain result that they so desired because at the spin of a wheel anything could happen and they would hate to have the wrong result happen on a live event of WWE so instead to rectify this you have you have I feel like you only have one option but at the same time they're a worldwide company they probably know that they have many different options one option in which that could be that whenever they're spinning that godforsaken wheel that I keep talking about, one option in which that um, for some reason I want to think that maybe they put a magnet and then something that maybe attracts a magnet to the pointer of the wheel and then maybe like a magnet to the wheel to the desired result and then they spin the wheel and then the wheel stops on said desired result either that or they've got some leprechaun magic back there that some jackass controls like where the wheel stops because there's no possible way and i mean this no possible way that in a controlled environment such as a wrestling arena or a controlled environment such as a wrestling um you know like I was trying to say before I don't want to use the word fake I don't want to say that because there's nothing fake about professional wrestling it might be choreographed maybe it might be um 
predetermined, maybe, but there's nothing inherently fake. It's more real than anything you'll see in a movie or in, like, if you're watching Survivor or if you're watching, um, a fixed basketball game or something. There's nothing inherently fake. I'm putting that in air quotes, by the way, this time. About professional wrestling. But in... Anyway, what I mean to say is that whenever you're relying on the spin of a wheel on a gimmick night, such as Raw Roulette, I mean, if that's the case, let me take you to a different game of Roulette. A one in six chance of you, let's say, dying. Let's say that me, you, and four of your good friends are playing Russian Roulette. Let's say that your four friends just got done passing around the, the gun and they've all pulled the trigger for themselves and now it's down to me and you. That's how Roulette works. It's a, a gamble. And obviously they're in Las Vegas, as I stated earlier. At least I think that I stated it earlier. Keep in mind this is like the third time that I'm recording this particular session because I've had multiple recordings go awry. I've had multiple things happen that have um, interrupted me and for that matter really made this a long and arduous task. <clears throat> anyway... Kane versus CM Punk. If I've already reviewed this match, then I do apologize, but I feel as though that this is where I left off the third time recording, and yes, this does make the fourth recording that I'm doing. Last week, Kane felt the wrath of Mark Henry as uh, Mark Henry put Kane through a table, the announce table to be more exact, and now Kane promptly um, <clears throat> is angry, but my question is, wouldn't he be angry at Mark Henry? Uh, shouldn't he take his frustrations out on... He shouldn't take his frustrations out on CM Punk, despite CM Punk being his opponent here tonight. Like, if someone cut me off in traffic, I wouldn't stop my car just... just to jump onto some random pedestrian and then kick them in the balls and then say, that's what you get for cutting me off in traffic. I would want to go confront the person who actually caused the problem to begin with. If I had an in, if I had an inconsistency counter, not saying that I do, but if I did, it would be up to three right now. Uh, the audience members who are in live audience, who are in the uh, audience are very same people who were booing CM Punk at the start of the program are now cheering him um now for that now that he's getting his ass kicked by Kane okay Kane has CM Punk in the corner just dominating and uh pinning Punk only gets a two count uh Kane off the side slam uh gets yet another near fall so he gets yet another two count Kane with a big boot to Punk and now uh, climbing the top rope 
uh, Kane looking for the uh, avalanche clothesline that he usually goes for at the uh, top rope. He's waiting, he's peaked, he's ready to jump, but uh, <clears throat> he stopped, CM Punk stopped Kane, cut him off at the pass. Um, Punk rolls out of the ring and gets uh, counted out. I gave this match two out of five stars. He had some, it had some high points, but it seemed inconsistent at times. It, the crowd was booing a lot near the end uh, when Punk walked out, which I don't blame them. I mean, they would want to see a contest and see and see him Punk walk out. It really doesn't do anything for them. You know what I pay a ticket for to see some son of a bitch walk out? Imagine paying a ticket for a UFC fight. MGM Grand Arena, you know, you're you're there in Vegas, and then all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, TJ Dillashaw just walks out. He's still in the UFC, right? <clears throat> anyway, back to what I was saying. <clears throat> so something that I didn't mention up until now is that there was... A, is that was two weeks after their uh, Capital Punishment pay-per-view. So this was after their Capital capital Punishment pay-per-view, and the reason that I'm putting this here is because if you wanted to go listen to the Capital Punishment um, episode, you could go do that and then come back and listen to the rest of this because I'm going to be making a lot of references to that episode, to the... Uh, episode of uh, where our truth finally got um, what he rightfully deserved, um, which is the chance at the WWE Championship. <clears throat> so, ladies and gentlemen, it, it has also come to my attention that a lot of people on Twitter are. Uh, hashtagging something along the lines of Sammy for the Royal Rumble. If Sammy Zayn wins the Royal Rumble and they start building a story toward him, I'm going to go on strike again because Sammy Zayn has done nothing to deserve winning the um, Royal Rumble and he's done nothing to... It's almost like they're rewarding something that doesn't belong. See, this is not a popularity contest, people. And Sami Zayn really hasn't, like, put up enough points on the board, so to speak, to really be, you know, VIP of the evening, VIP of, of whatever. For those of you who don't know, the Royal Rumble uh, should be happening sometime in January. Not really sure when. Uh, whenever we see, whenever I start getting news, I will uh, let you guys know as well. But this time, instead of going on strike and just looking at AEW, I will not be able to do that. Because, unfortunately, I do not have internet. So I'm doing all of this off of phone data. And it is extremely, extremely hard for me to find AEW. Believe me, I've been looking. Um, it is extremely hard for me to find any sort of AEW at all. So... What I'm going to have to do is literally go on strike. So I will pause the podcast. I will go on hold. And I will sit and wait 
for WrestleMania results. That means from January, if Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble, until April to see exactly what the WrestleMania um, main event will be. And if Sami Zayn is in the WrestleMania main event, then we will... until it's over, until they're they're done, you know, giving him a a uh, a cum shot party, you know, until they're done uh, uh, throwing him a, a confetti, and be like, oh look, everybody, it's Sami Zayn. Oh, now I remember whenever Sami comes into the room, just clap and then just pat him on the back and tell him he's doing a good job. Remember, we've all got to, you know not tell him what we already know you know just treat him like you would treat anybody else and then he comes into the room and then he's like hi everybody how are you (laughs) walking like a fucking bow-legged caterpillar one eye looking left and the other eye looking down you know god damn get the fuck I'm sorry for getting off topic. Like, really I am. I just thought that now was an appropriate time to bring it up. If Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble, I'm telling you guys that there will be no Gut Wrench podcast. We will have to mourn the death of professional wrestling. And that means from January... Until April of 2024, I will not watch any, I will not review any of that. Hopefully, from that point in time, you know, while we're all anticipating some Sami Zayn screw-up is what I want to say, but you're all, you know, gung-ho for it, you're just clapping for him and you're going to cheer him on and tell him that he's doing such a great job, even though he's he's sucking dick. <clears throat> anyway, if you wanted to, what you would have to do is go listen to the uh, Capital Punishment episode and then come back and then take it from here, is what I mean to say. In, if you were going to do it in, uh, I want to say continuity, you know, if you wanted to listen to that, you know, get brushed up on it, then come back, listen to this, these next parts at least. Um, <clears throat> then they plugged their uh, new Facebook game, WWE Poker, as if uh, children needed to know how to gamble or how to play poker. Um... I'm not sure whether that Facebook game is still up today, but, huh, interesting. Evan Bourne versus Sin Cara. Uh, they spin the wheel to find out what kind of match it will be, and they find out that it is a no-count-outs match. Too bad CM Punk didn't hear about this no-count-outs stipulation. He just got counted out uh, earlier on in the program, and CM Punk's match was... um. A mystery opponent match, and his mystery opponent was Kane. And, um, I gave that match two out of five stars, if I didn't already say that. 
A deep arm drag by Evan Bourne, uh, putting Cara on his back. In Mexico, there's a comic book uh, based on Sin Cara's life, and how, uh, because of how popular that he is in his hometown. Uh, years later, WWE would also make a uh, comic book about the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and The Undertaker. Born with the uh, first pin, only gets two count on Kara. A Rana by Evan Born on the outside, and then Born takes Kara off his feet. Uh, Born with a quick roll up, uh, Kara with the reverse into a roll up of his own, but both men only get a two count near fall. <clears throat> Born off the jumping. Off the jumping knee only gets a two count. Uh, Kara kicks out of a springboard. Oh, okay. And then Kara goes and does the. Sin Kara does the uh, springboard crossbody. It looks a little sloppy, but he ends up connecting with it nonetheless, and he does get a two count. Standing Moonsault by Bourne only gets a two count once again. Bourne went to the Shooting Star Press, uh, does the uh, flip off the top rope, only to have Kara roll out of the way, and Bourne gets caught in a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, and Kara gets the three count. This match was very exciting, very entertaining, a nice contrast uh, between two men. Um, it was a beautiful match, and it told a great story. I gave it four out of five stars. Uh, the crowd was chanting a lot of random things like a small USA chant in the second half of the match. They sounded bored, but I most definitely was not bored. I just kept going like, wow, what a maneuver. Oh my God, did he really just counter that? Holy crap, there's no way that he just did a Rana. No way. Evan Bourne getting airborne. You know, I was just sitting there, I was like, ugh. Like I've seen titties for the first time. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> who said that? <laughs> Kofi gets to spin the wheel. And next on doing so, he lands on a player's choice. So Kofi gets to pick the match stipulation that he wants to face Dolph Ziggler in. See, see what I mean about spinning this wheel and stuff like that? And, um... Everybody gets to go back there, they get to spin the wheel, and then whatever it lands on, they get to um, react to, hey, you know, what kind of match are you going to get tonight? And then, like R-Truth, R-Truth gets a tables match, um, and that'll be later on tonight. Um, can, during the Sin Cara-Evan Bourne match, if uh, and the cameraman does eventually look up just a little bit while we're doing the um while Sin Cara was doing a pose uh after winning his match whenever the cameraman looks up you can see that there's a steel cage right above the arena so that led me to believe that there would be a steel cage match tonight and sure enough there was a steel cage match on this night so they already planned out which matches that they're going to have as though that it was already predetermined despite the fact that there's an element, an element of randomness, you know? 
you spin a wheel and that determines like if there's 32 slots on that fucking wheel you know imagine getting something that was unexpected imagine getting a result that they didn't even call for and i'm pretty sure that we get something that they didn't even hey we didn't see that one coming you know because there's a match there's a submissions match for the divas championship we'll get to that here in just a minute Kofi Kingston spins the wheel. Uh, in doing so, he lands on a player's choice. So Kofi uh, gets to pick the match stipulation that he wants to face Dolph Ziggler in, and that match will be next. And according to Kofi, what he says is he wants Vicky Guerrero banned from ringside. As Kofi Kingston versus the United States champion at this time, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler goes to leave, but Kofi uh, pulls him in and stops him and throws him back into the ring. And then headbutts him, sending him back outside the ring. Body slams him on the outside Ziggler, oh, to Ziggler by Kofi. <clears throat> Ziggler with a reverse chin lock on Kofi Kingston, wearing him down. <clears throat> Then Ziggler with a Famouser, but he only gets a two count on Kofi. Uh, during the match, one of the commentators and Michael Cole, for some reason, into a Kmart ad out of nowhere, he says, uh, Speaking of being powered by, WWE is powered by Kmart. Some sort of cheap pop. So there's your cheap pop, fucking Kmart. Um sort of an odd way of advertising. I mean, I don't see why he couldn't just wait until a fucking commercial where, I don't know, John Cena was in the commercial. Oh, of course they couldn't wait until the John Cena commercial, the ad spot that they'd already paid for. You know why? Because whenever John Cena's in a commercial, there's, I mean, you just can't see him, all right? So if he's in the commercial, you, you're not going to be able to see him anyway. It's going to be like, hey, who's in that commercial? It's going to be like, I don't know. I don't see anybody. Huh. Must have just been some local actors. WWE is uh, somehow powered or partners, rather, or powered by, as Michael Cole puts it, Kmart. Kingston with a cradle. And here's a funny thing, too. He only says that once. Michael Cole only says that once. So you got to think, hey, uh, we forgot to pay for the Kmart ad. Could you just really quick just say something uh, smart about Kmart? And then they're right in the, in the middle of a match. And, you know, I don't know how it happened. Cole just said something like, oh, what a powerful super kick. And then he goes, speaking of being powerful, WWE is powered by Kmart. Not sponsored, by the way. Thanks a lot, Kmart. There's your cheap pop, by the way. Once again, your second cheap pop. Usually I don't do that. Anyway, Kingston with a cradle only gets a two count off the inside cradle. Uh, after some back and forth, Kofi Kingston hits the Trouble in Paradise from almost out of thin air. Like, no one's seen that coming. And then a three count. <clears throat> For the uh, match to end, two and a half out of five stars. Uh, not really much happened here, but it told a story to get the job done. 
Um, the story allowed the rivalry of Ziggler and Kingston to continue, especially knowing the fact that uh, Kingston lost his United States Championship um, to Dolph Ziggler, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> I didn't put that down here, but I'm uh, trying to recall what it was that they previously told me. A segment... <clears throat> a segment being to play involving Booker T, Alberto Del Rio, and Maurice. In this segment, it's clear to me, at least looking at it now, rather than looking at it from when I was a child or a, a lot younger, um, that there was some sort of manipulation that had to be going on here. Whenever the wheel was spent, the camera zooms in on Alberto Del Rio and Maurice. Keep in mind, Del Rio and Maurice are like, um, only taking up. Like, instead of doing a wide shot to show that Booker T was behind them, they did like a zoom in shot to show the detail of Maurice and, um, Alberto Del Rio while Maurice spun the wheel and then <laughs> there's just this almost like feeling this feeling of hey what's Booger T doing behind the camera to manipulate the wheel to make sure that it stops on where they want it to stop you remember me talking about how whenever the cameraman looked up uh, at the arena that there was a cage above the um, structure, the ring. Well, Alberto Del Rio finds himself in a cage match with the Big Show. <clears throat> and the match between Alberto Del Rio and the Big Show is a cage match. <clears throat> Alberto Del Rio versus the Big Show in a steel cage. Um, enters the arena. Oh, okay. Alberto Del Rio enters the arena in a Lamborghini convertible. According to Michael Cole, it's worth $275,000. I don't know where he gets the budget for all these fucking rental cars. I swear, the last time that we looked at Alberto Del Rio, he had some sort of fucking uh, Aston Martin, I think it was. <clears throat> which, by the way, is featured in the 007 movie. One of them, or all of them. I think that that's like a signature car that he, like, drives. Anyway, it's not important. We're not talking about 007. Big Show working over uh, Del Rio, really lighting him up like a Christmas tree with these chops in the corner. Del Rio uh, working on the leg that was ran over. I put this in air quotes accidentally by Ricardo Rodriguez eight days ago. Once again at the um, Capital Punishment pay-per-view. So there's even a segment that happens wherever there's an Obama impersonator. If you guys remember uh, on the episode I discussed. Um, there's an Obama impersonator. And according to <clears throat> what ends up happening is 
someone comes up to him. I don't know who it is, but they come up to him and then they say, hey, uh, president, Mr. President. If a giant, if a Mexican runs over a giant in their car, are they both covered by Obamacare? And then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh my God, wow, did they really just set up a, I mean, that's, that's the setup for a dad joke. That's, that's the setup for, oh son, I'm having a heart attack, call me an ambulance. And then the son looks at the father and says, uh you're an ambulance you know like that's a corny dad joke and why would both of them be covered by Obamacare oh my god the giant would at least be covered by Obamacare the Mexican that accidentally I'm putting that in air quotes by the way ran him over shouldn't be covered by Obamacare what is it car insurance it's health insurance what the what kind of fucking... Anyway, Mark Henry says the big show, says to the big show, a bigger isn't always better. I feel like some women would disagree, though. Um, He sounds insecure, does Mark Henry. You know, hey, like they were looking at each other's wieners, and then Mark Henry said, you know what, big show? Bigger isn't always better. You know, just something to make him feel better. Anyway, Mark Henry shows up a little bit into the match, which is why I bring up Mark Henry, because the big show is <clears throat> going for a choke slam, um, gets his uh, leg kicked out from underneath him by Del Rio. Del Rio, off the DDT, only gets a two count. <clears throat> superplexed by Big Show onto Del Rio and that took a scary and it and that looked scary rather and it shook the whole ring Mark Henry rips off the cage door off of its hinges so the cage was literally on its hinges on the <coughs> Mark Henry shows some scary strength here he says he and then he brings the cage door into the ring and starts to assault the Big Show with it. The Big Show is literally within a with is um in a rock and a hard place because he's got the the 375 pound Mark Henry who's beating him upside the head with a cage door, and he's also like beside of the cage wall. Um, it's one of those cages. If you guys haven't if you're unfamiliar with like uh, the wrestling cages or whatever it looks like it's just chain length fence you know um and i'm saying this not to insult your all's um you know it, my audience who's obviously wrestling fans knows what wwe's cages at the, at and around this time look like but those of you who aren't wrestling fans and you're just here for the shtick which obviously i know that at least three or four of you are <clears throat> I mean, Big Show is just getting beaten but <clears throat> by the Mark Henry. Uh, Del Rio escapes the cage in quick fashion, and he won the match. The Big Show got uh, sandwiched between Mark, the big Mark Henry and the uh, cage wall, and Henry beat the Big Show with that cage door, 
the big the big show fell down the opposite side of the ring as the cage wall fell i mean it collapsed uh under the big show's weight <clears throat> with what seems to be An unresponsive Big Show. I'm so sorry. It took me a minute to read that. What well, seems to be an unresponsive Big Show. Meanwhile, Mark Henry is just... He's playing his part so well, I would say. But to me, he's just scary. He's booking, marching up and down, and then he's asking, What, what are you going to do? Fire me? You going to fire me? He's like, Go ahead. I don't care. He's walking up and down. He's roaring at everybody. You know, he's barking at everybody. And he's getting in the Big Show's face. And he's letting him know. He says, now you know what the score is. Now you know who the big man is. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mark Henry. I mean, that's a little excitement right there. Mark Henry's playing his part so well. So I give it three out of five stars. It's not often that you see a cage match go awry. You know, and I mean, Mark Henry was possibly the most entertaining part of this match. <laughs> we get the holy shit chance from the crowd. So they may or may not have been into it as well. And the next match is Kelly Kelly, the Divas Champion. I don't ever remember her being the Divas Champion. And you remember, you guys remember maybe, I don't know, the 10, 12, 15 episodes that I've mentioned that I've had a crush on Candace Michelle. Maybe you you remember that? Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Long-time viewers would remember me saying that I had a crush on a... a a small puppy crush on, on one Candace Michelle. Well, I also had a small puppy crush on Kelly Kelly. But at the same time, who didn't? Who didn't? Kelly Kelly was... Whew, breathtaking, man. I mean, I feel like she should have been a model. But I'm glad that she was professional wrestler for the short time that she was <coughs> and I don't ever remember her being the divas champion but nonetheless they spin the wheel and they find out that Kelly Kelly will face off against N Nikki Bella in a submissions match <coughs> now here's what I mean by if they got the undesired result like I was saying earlier neither Kelly Kelly nor Nikki Bella really have any sort of you know long standing history with submissions wrestling I would understand if maybe this was Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle um, Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles something of that nature and maybe if Samoa Joe would have went back there, uh, spun the wheel, he would have got, you know, oh, look at that, it landed on submissions match. Well, I know who I'm pulling for, depending upon who Samoa Joe's, you know, fucking 
opponent is. Anyway, Kelly Kelly, the Divas champion, will... I can't remember whether this was a championship match or not. <clears throat> will face off against Nikki Bella. Uh, they spin the wheel uh, when both ladies are in the ring. It lands on submissions match. And this is awkward. Neither Kelly Kelly nor uh, Nikki Bella are known for their submissions wrestling, let alone their submissions prowess. Uh, it's over in less than <laughs> in less time than it takes to make a cup of coffee. Uh, Kelly Kelly with the Boston Crab, uh, and she gets the submission victory. This looks. This could have been uh, the wheel being spinned as a result. And it was a result that they didn't want, but they w just went went with it anyway, regardless. So I just gave it one out of five stars. They show a recap from last month where Andy Levine won the Tough Enough uh, competition that was uh, being put in front of him. Uh, he won and was fired shortly afterwards. <laughs> I'm not sure why he was fired. I'm sure it had to do with uh, one of two things. One, the fact was that the rookie prospect that was 25, 29 years old um, would have to train. Uh, they would have to train. Two, lack of discipline uh, or this desire to compete in the WWE or travel or even uh, make the lack of maybe it was the lack of rating that tough enough segments got maybe a combination of all of that <coughs> but yeah the tough enough winner from last month um, at this time Andy Levine well he would end up getting fired regardless of the fact that he spent I want to say a good nine weeks 18 weeks uh, training with Steve Austin with Jericho with Triple H Kurt Angle a whole bunch of WWE legends and and well-known prospects regardless of that he would be fired. But the good news is, I'm pretty sure he won like a shit ton of money from winning the Tough Enough competition because I'm pretty sure that they give away like 190,000, 250,000, something like that, um, if you win. So, yeah, if you want to get motivated, go win a reality competition. I'm sure that they'll pay you. An ass ton of money. Nonetheless, that brings us to our next segment. After Rey Mysterio leaves after spinning the wheel, DDP shows up. Uh, Booker T, what is what is he doing here tonight? Is what he says, and he's here to plug a DVD that I own. That I own it, believe it or not. Uh, 
a DVD uh, since getting it myself. The name of the DVD is the very best of WCW Nitro. Uh, I assume it was a collection of the very best moments, at least in WWE believes what they believe are the, quote, very best moments of WWE Nitro for WCW. Um, convoluted... <clears throat> Uh, the very best moments of WCW Nitro for WCW. Convoluted as as a child, I always preferred watching WWE, and uh, because it was always a lot easier to keep up with, and in my own opinion, a lot more consistent than a lot of WCW had uh, airing. I haven't seen much, so I looked at, and I haven't even looked at one singular, let alone anything else, uh, as far as WCW, uh, even to this podcast, not ever grazed the uh, greener pastures of WCW, <clears throat> it's simply because I don't want to misinform you people of anything uh, it's simply because for, and from what I'm told, WCW was riddled with nothing but backstage politics. And I said all around, it's a more, com it's more complicated, okay, to keep up with <clears throat> something that's less complicated, that's less consistent than the uh, product that's actually more consistent. I have a wide array of knowledge thanks to the fact that I'm able to pick up some knowledge throughout the uh, many endeavors of reading certain magazine articles or books, interviews, as many documentaries and bio-documentaries on the subject of professional wrestling, but usually I try to steer what I am learning um, that being toward the WWE, not really focusing on any of the territories, focusing on much of WCW. Um, there's so many uh, nooks and crannies that uh, you could get uh, tied up in uh, trying to explain. Okay, that says knots, not nooks and crannies. Uh, trying to explain is what you're trying to uh, communicate to an audience especially an audience that I have, and I would much rather not bore you to death. <clears throat> if you're interested for yourself, I would say maybe go read a few articles yourself. Uh, nonetheless, the DDP was here to promote a DVD of a very, uh, the very best of Monday Night Nitro. I wonder if if they ever did a DVD of the very best of Thursday Night Thunder, WCW's secondary, not their flagship program, but their secondary program. And meanwhile, while DDP and um, Rey Mysterio and Booker T 
are in this mid-section sort of on-air commercial of sorts, Drew McIntyre proceeds to show up and tell the tell Booker T, both Booker T and DDP, that they're on his time now. And if they want to avoid leaving this building in an ambulance, that they better both leave now because Drew McIntyre says that he is the future of the WWE. <clears throat> you know, he wasn't wrong, but at the same time, he wasn't exactly, like, right. Because if you think about it, Drew McIntyre would go on to do what The Rock Dwayne Johnson did. Um, he would... You know that picture that shows The Rock and, like, Dwayne Johnson, how small that he is in, like, the turtleneck? And then the next picture beside of it is, like, him just jacked as all hell. That's Drew McIntyre. Because at this point in time, he was a young concept. But later on, he would become the Scottish warrior. This almost like 6'2". Five nine, five ten, maybe six foot one and a half, you know, um, Scottish warrior. But here, he's still baby faced Drew McIntyre, you know, and I mean that in more than one way. Uh, since uh, undergoing a hell of a transformation. Uh, since being the scrawny little toothpick he was, uh, what would compose of him, uh, he once was known as the Chosen One. It's always like that picture you see of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, him in his little turtleneck, and then you see the one beside of it, him is doing like the flexing at the gym. And it shows the transformation. And it's like night and day too. You know. Drew McIntyre from like 2009. To like. Drew McIntyre from like. 2020. <clears throat> uh, if you've seen her before. underwent the transformation that because if you seen her before after pictures and you're not a wrestling fan let's say you're seeing McIntyre for the first time you would be astounded anyway Shawn Michaels then goes on to kick McIntyre in the face after he promptly threatens the two WWE legends and he drops him like a sack of potatoes. Shawn Michaels then enters the advertisement that they had uh, going for the DVD. It's a three disc set. It's 
average run time is about eight hours and ten minutes and HBK says you know I can't believe that I missed all that and DDP says really in doing so Shawn Michaels said I think I had work that day <laughs> oh my god anyway like I said Rey Mysterio spun the wheel um, and he got himself into what they refer to as a tornado match and this match takes for fucking ever to get through so I'm just going to go ahead and go to our next segment I'm going to end this recording here because I'm running out of time and I'm going to pick it up in a second all right <clears throat> Okay, so Alex Riley and Rey Mysterio versus Jack Swagger and The Miz. Here's something that I've always uh, had the gonads, the nuts to bring up, uh, the walnuts, if you will. WWE then proceeds to play some 60-second... Wow. Wow. It's supposed to say 60 second, right? Like, you know, a measurement of time, second. But instead, it says 6, 2, ND. Anyway, it, my notes are, oh my god. Because I take these, these notes from, like, text-to-speech... So, I'm assuming whenever I took these notes, my um, text-to-speech thought that I said the number 62, whenever in, in reality what I said was 62nd, as in a minute. Anyway, some 60-second ad spot that uh, has to do with some anti-bullying campaign called Be A Star that they have uh, partnered with many different organizations to make this happen. There's some irony in here somewhere. Uh, why don't we start with the elephant in the room? Okay, so I put a whole big, you know, rant here about Kevin Owens. I don't think that I'm going to go over it, but I will bring up the biggest point of this rant. That... Did you guys notice what I noticed? Throughout this entire commercial, I'm seeing different faces. I'm seeing everyone. Oh, but that's that's right. There's two people that are missing from this advertisement. Gee, I wonder why. And that's Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And it's not because they haven't been hired yet. No, they were a part of the active roster at this point in time. Wait. No, I don't think that they were. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that they were. I could be. You know what? I think that I'm wrong. They, they most definitely were not. <clears throat> Um, so, now I'm going to have to find my notes here. 
uh, also wrote down the fact that he stole his catchphrase from Donald Trump whenever he took that. Um, so for some reason, Kevin Owens had won the uh, United States Championship, right? And uh, I wrote down here that he had shaved his beard. One small complaint that I'd had about Kevin Owens is that he doesn't know what hygiene is. He looked like that he smelled like a rat. I mean, I wouldn't know. I've never met the guy. I feel like that fucking red Eminem after I said that. I don't know. I've never met the guy. He does exist. Oh, they do exist. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's not creative. It's not funny. Um, it's not entertaining. If anything, that's lazy. Uh, I'll give him points, though, for shaving his beard because uh, he hadn't done that in a very long time. For those of you unaware, uh, whenever you hold championship status in WWE, not really uh, other wrestling organizations that I'm aware of, but especially in WWE, the roster of champions... They like uh, they like to think that you go above and beyond. Like John Cena got a lot of uh, roles whenever he was champion. Uh, for instance, the most Kevin Owens did was uh, shave his beard and steal a catchphrase from Donald Trump. Uh, that's not funny. That's not creative. That's not entertaining. That's just lazy. I'll give him points, though, like I said, for shaving his beard because he... Hadn't done it in a long time for uh, those of you who don't know what I keep going on about the facial hair of Kevin Owens. You could say his facial hair is a choice. As a matter of fact, uh, even though it is his facial hair and it very well may be his choice, this is not my body, my choice movement, which for those of you who don't know, my body, my choice movement is sort of a rape allegation type thing where a guy would rape a woman and then for some reason he would then look at that woman and then say well it's your body and it was my choice or I could be getting that confused with something else completely and I'm pretty sure if I am then my body my choice might have something to do with like a woman uh, being pregnant and then she's thinking, well, it's my body, it's my choice. And if that's the case, what about the baby's body? What about the baby's choice? The baby didn't ask to be in this world. And the baby certainly didn't ask for you to take a clothes hanger and, you know, abort it. That is how that works, right? Anyway, on with the show. This is my body, um, my choice uh, type of movement. If I wanted to look like an outcast from ZZ Top while walking into a job interview, let alone the biggest wrestling organization of the world, I'm not going to get the job. If that's the case, uh, during the interview, I'm sure that all of all they would have to all they would have to do is uh, stare at my Duck Dynasty-like beard, or I could go get 
go into the job interview where I actually want the job and I look clean shaven really has a question that I want to ponder right now. I wonder if anyone who has who wasn't as famous as Kevin Owens was walked into the WWE that they haven't that they wouldn't give a chance to they wouldn't hire because he had an extensive amount of facial hair I would imagine as as it pertains to pro wrestling that that would probably get you Uh, Yeah, it would probably get in your way, too. Imagine having a beard like, you know, fucking ZZ Top-looking motherfucker, and, you know, you trip over it whenever you go to run the ropes or something. Also, Kevin Owens bullies fans on Twitter in recent years. He he has, and uh, he has yet to face any repercussions for it. So I'm here to expose him uh, to make sure that uh, people see the truth. To make sure that the truth gets out to the public. Uh, Stephanie McMahon must be afraid of him. I don't know why she hasn't... I mean, she has no reason to be afraid of him. (sighs) She's one of... She's the one who started this be a star program, so why even bother? I guess it's a good thing that they kept him out of the commercial, though. You know, it'd be sort of like Gordon Ramsay doing a... I don't don't know where that cutaway was going, all right? A Holocaust, maybe, joke, because Gordon Ramsay doing a cooking the Jews. I don't. Wow, that one was okay. I'll, I'll give you. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It was edit that one out. You know, editor, please please blur that joke out. Jack Swagger and Rey Mysterio uh, inside the ring. Meanwhile, the Miz and Alex Riley are on the outside of the ring. And this match is uh, playing about as well as a Nintendo 64 uh, tag team match would go. For those of you unaware, I want to make this uh, brief. Whenever I would play a Nintendo 64, WWF No Mercy, um, usually whenever I would play a tag team match, I should say unu- I should say usually I would tag out to the CPU, so pay attention to my strategy here, right, here's what I would do, so first thing that I would do is I would tag out to the CPU, and then while my, while I was the second player in this particular tag team match, and this is one of those tag in, tag out games, or I shouldn't say games, I should say modes, you know, even though they're a tornado, 
they keep calling it a, tor- a tornado match, but in reality, it's tornado tag team match. But they keep neglecting to call it a tag team match. They just keep calling it a tornado match, which makes no sense whatsoever. But nonetheless, whenever I used to play this uh, Nintendo 64 game, um, I would tag out to the CPU, let the CPU take care of the uh, legal man. And meanwhile, I would go out of my way to beat up his tag team partner so that whenever the time came that I would be on the outside of the ring beating up his tag team partner and whenever the time came that the opponent to whoever it was that I just tagged out to needed a tag in his partner that he tagged into would be in worse shape if not worse for wear than the other guy was if that makes sense and it should make sense because I'm the one that said it um nonetheless uh where this is a no tag situation it's simply a tornado tag team match where all participants are supposed to be inside the ring at all times there is no tag Uh, There is no tag team mechanic. It works just as well. Uh, Usually these are supposed to be a no disqualification. At least uh, the video games they are. At least the one game that I just got done mentioning, WWF No Mercy, it was. If I remember correctly. But then it looks like Alex Riley and The Miz uh, being on the outside of the ring uh, is making the referee count. That leads me to believe that this uh, might have a disqualification mechanic IRL, you know, in real life. Uh, Jack Swagger with a move that he calls the Swagger Bomb. He only gets a two count on Rey Mysterio. The Miz and Jack Swagger uh, seem to be going for what looks like a doomsday device. Uh, Jack Swagger, Jack Swagger into the Miz, who was on the top rope, thanks to uh, Rey Mysterio doing a very clever um, Rana to the reversal of something that Jack Swagger had planned for him, uh, crouching the Miz on the top rope who got neutralized because he still brushed up against his balls on the, and he lost his footing on the top rope, I should say. The Miz did. Alex Riley with a hip toss off the top rope. The Miz kicks out when Riley tries for the pin. Alex Riley uh, with a roll-up combination, pinning combination on the Miz, but he only gets a two count. Uh, Rey Mysterio kicks the leg out from under the Miz and goes for a pinning combination and only gets a two count near fall uh, while Jack Swagger got thrown outside the ring onto Alex Riley. Alex Riley gets gets in the ring uh, following Jack Swagger off the Irish whip. Uh, Riley puts Swagger down with a spine buster. And Rey Mysterio, uh, it's knocked out of the ring by Jack Swagger. 
there shortly uh, before this interaction occurs, Alex Riley then goes then goes for the pin off the spine buster. He hooks the leg of the Miz, but there was a save from <clears throat> there was a save the day for the tag team partner Jack Swagger. Okay. Jack Swagger was there to save the day. I don't know why I didn't just say that. Um, stomping the... Stopping the three count. Um, then goes for an inverted DDT and only gets a near fall on Alex Riley. Jack Swagger does, is what I should say. Uh, Jack Swagger in the ring hits Rey Mysterio with a big boot to the face, gets to pin Rey only to get a near fall. Once again, we're still getting two counts. Rey Mysterio off the 619 and the West Coast pop to Alex Riley with the DDT. Okay, Alex Riley with the DDT uh, on Swagger. They end up getting the three count for the off the top rope west coast pop this match was presumably what i'm assuming um because i'm still going to have to watch the rest of it okay yeah uh their co-main event match it went on far too long was what i hate about multi-man matches uh there's too many uh pinfalls way too many breakups you know way too many false finishes is what i put uh they don't utilize the fact that they're in a tornado tag team match to the fullest extent of their ability if i was still counting inconsistencies i'm pretty sure i would be up to four but i'm not sure whether i'm still counting inconsistencies or not Two out of five stars. <clears throat> Was it entertaining? Yes, but the fact that it took way too long uh, to get through and it was a good wrestling match, sure, it was a relatively good story and still told a good story between the uh, rivalry of Alex Riley and The Miz. It could have been done a lot better and could have taken a lot less time. The camera feed. Okay. The camera feeds to our truth who is about to spin the wheel and determine what match will he be having next with the main event against John Cena. It turns out to be a match against John Cena whenever the camera zooms out for our truth he's talking to himself and he seems to be asking himself if he doesn't if he doesn't know whether the conspiracy is something I don't really catch the last word that he says so he does sort of ask himself a question 
like while the camera is on and I talked about our truth before um especially on that uh capital punishment episode that I mentioned previously our truth has this uncanny ability to just make you believe that he's crazy <clears throat> Sammy Zane tried to do this exact same um I want to say and I'm putting this in air quotes, exact same gimmick. But yeah, he did. He tried the whole conspiracy theory trope, and Zane is just so one-dimensional, so fucking bad at everything that he does that he couldn't pull this off because he's not as good as our truth is. I'm sure that now Zane wishes he was our truth because our truth, believe it or not, has had multiple um number one hits in the hip hop and rap album um <clears throat> community. For those of you wondering, our truth has seeked other employment. Because it may or may not be very, very difficult to make it as a professional wrestler in the WWE, especially whenever they don't want to give you airtime. Nonetheless, this was eight days after our truth faced off against, um, <laughs> faced off against, um, John Cena the WWE Championship. And John Cena at this time was still the WWE Champion. John Cena at this time was still the WWE Champion, believe it or not, because R-Truth uh, had lost his match. He lost because he blames... Little Jimmy. <laughs> See, there's so many layers to his fucking... His fucking uh, gimmick. So, Little Jimmy is apparently... Um, all of the John Cena fanboys and fangirls. And uh, about three quarters into the match... For those of you who missed it... His Capital Punishment match... He stops. He grabs him a drink of water. Uh, one of the fans has like a cup, right? And I don't necessarily know if this was planned or not, but it's such a creative finish. Like, I wonder who came up with it. But one of the fans, it's not often that you see this, has like a cup of water. Our truth, he's he gets outside and, and he's he's got John Cena on the ropes too. It's the thing that really confused me. I thought for sure our truth was gonna, you know, maybe okie doke John Cena as he puts it. But instead he goes outside, he grabs like this big, almost like 7-Eleven gulp cup that one of the fans had. He, this motherfucker grabs one of uh, John Cena's hats that this kid was wearing. He puts it on, and while he's wearing that hat, he goes ahead and then he takes him a big old sip of water, and he gives it back to that kid that's in the crowd, and then the kid in the crowd just splashes water on him and then he's 
he's sitting there, he's soaking wet, and then all of a sudden, John Cena just comes in, throws him back into the ring, hits him with the AA. One, two, three. John Cena wins. What the fuck? It's not often that you see a wrestling match end like that. What a creative finish, you know? And it's like, wow, that was fast. I didn't know if that was how it was supposed to end. And then after after the match is over, R-Truth is just blaming little Jimmy, saying that he got okey-doked. <laughs> I swear to God, it's just so many layers to this man and everything that he does. Just everything that he does is funny, but it's almost like you're laughing at a mental illness. Not even in a fun way either, because our truth makes it feel like he's genuinely a crazy person. Walking to the ring, he's talking to himself. You know, anytime he's on camera, he's he's all the time like giving people strange looks and he's got this gleam in his eye. It's so weird. <clears throat> at times, as I've said uh, at the Capital Punishment episode that we looked at at the pay-per-view uh, named Capital Punishment, uh, and it was uh, two weeks after the event. Actually, this was eight days after, but they keep saying two weeks. Um, <clears throat> I wondered if our truth is so unhinged if he's so unpredictable if he's so unstable why does the wwe not just fire him uh for being in a good state for not being in a good state of mind for instance if i went to work and i started talking about conspiracy theories and how everyone's out to get me and started uh looking over my shoulder every 10 to 12 seconds uh, started almost lipping, you know, like, uh, my lips start moving for absolutely no reason, you know, and then people are like, hey, are you okay? And you're like, you better, you better go over there, because, because I'm about to get the spiders, you know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> and started mumbling to myself, um, I would imagine that I would be getting fired and they would ask me what's wrong with me or at the same time, at the same time, like I can see this from the other side of the coin too. <clears throat> Why would you fire someone who's so unhinged, so unstable, <laughs> you wouldn't Oh, God damn. You wouldn't want to upset them. I mean, they're already in a catastrophic state of mind. Who knows what they might do next? Sort of a uh, look out for me type of deal. Because I could fly off the handle at any moment, you know. <laughs> Booker T tells our truth to leave because he's he's starting to scare him he's, uh, Booker T looks at our truth and then he says hey what why don't you just go on man you, you're starting to scare me because his lips keep moving and he keeps mumbling something about a conspiracy he says 
he goes on to say our truth uh that is uh goes on to say uh he's going to make sure that John Cena is going to get got tonight. Our truth says John Cena is going to get got tonight. What does that even mean? Is he going to get an STD? And uh he's not wrong. I've seen this clip uh probably 30 or 40 times, so I know who wins the match. However, the performance uh or the match itself, I really wouldn't I really haven't seen. So why don't we take a walk? Our truth apparently uh wearing a straight jacket according to Michael Cole, and this is what I mean, the commitment, the fucking commitment by our truth to just sell the fact that he is this unhinged crazy person <clears throat> but according to michael cole one of the commentators uh our truth is wearing a straight jacket so i guess that makes him certifiably crazy we get dueling chants from the crowd we get the let's go cena cena sucks and here's the thing with those chance you can obviously hear who the John Cena fans are and like the very feminine let's go Cena then you get the very masculine Cena sucks you know you know who his fan base dynamic is at this point not to say I mean that's probably a majority I mean me, myself, I'm a John Cena fan. I can't not be a John Cena fan because the man follows me on Twitter. And for that matter, for that matter, he's garnered my, I've, he's garnered my respect over the years. I've grew up with John Cena, you know. Probably been watching him since about 2005 and Cena truly is, he's like fucking Goku, he just never goes away, he never dies no matter how many times you try to fucking put him down. Anyway, John Cena was about to put R-Truth through a table, ultimately winning the match around maybe seven minutes into the match. It wasn't really a match, it was uh, more or less a segment to set up our next segment. And I thought it would be appropriate to talk about this episode in particular of Monday Night Raw simply because of a statement that CM Punk makes after he costs John Cena this tables match. The statement <clears throat> for the longest time would shake the wrestling world at its very core because a lot of people didn't know whether this was a shoot or whether it was kayfabe. They had no idea whether or not this was actually CM Punk's true feelings about the WWE. Was he off script? Or was this whole entire thing planned? A lot of things have happened. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of things have happened that night and especially during CM Punk's little rant lead me to believe that it is planned, but a lot of things 
that happened in this particular CM Punk microphone being cut off, um, whether he was talking about Vince McMahon, uh, led him to believe that what he was saying wasn't planned at all. So Truth wins uh, with a spear. He spears John Cena through the table thanks to interference from CM Punk. <clears throat> That's a little inconsistent. However, uh, I found... I found inconsistent, so if we were to count the inconsistencies of this episode, I think we would be up to five right now. Would be John Cena is the WWE champion at this time. Oh, yeah, this inconsistency right here. Uh, John Cena is the WWE champion at this time. Um... <clears throat> But he would never get another championship match, usually uh, beating the champion of one division would automatically make you uh, someone who is in the gunning for the championship. So I was talking about the fact that R-Truth would win here, but he wouldn't actually. And that's one of those inconsistencies that I pointed out, perhaps some backstage politics, or for that matter, maybe that's just something that wasn't supposed to happen, maybe, so they wanted to sweep it under the rug, hey, you know, R-Truth, thank you for being in the main event of Monday Night Raw, however, you wasn't supposed to win that tables match, you know that you weren't supposed to win that tables match, but it happened anyway, um, <clears throat> so we're going to go ahead and sweep that under the rug, <clears throat> because R-Truth would only get one championship match and that was eight days ago from the time that this um episode took place at the capital punishment pay-per-view john cena ever the professional is still selling being put through a table as though that he got struck by lightning and hit with a mac truck so he's just acting like oh man oh oh no i just i got the biggest splinter splintering headache and John Cena would remain in this position too ever the professional is John Cena one thing that John Cena is better than punk okay <clears throat> so the CM Punk rant goes a little bit something like this John while you sit there hopefully as uncomfortable as you can be right now I want you to hear me I want you to hear everything that I have to say because I don't hate you John I hate this idea that you're the best because you're not I am <clears throat> he said although there is one thing that you might be better at than I am and then he says and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass you might even be a better a better ass kisser than Dwayne was <clears throat> Might even be a better one than Hulk Hogan. And then he goes on to say, that I don't know if Hulk Hogan would have been better than Dwayne. I mean, he was a pretty good ass kisser. And that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You might even be a better ass kisser than Dwayne was. Uh, CM Punk then goes on to say that uh, he wants change for the WWE. Uh, he would like to uh, think that the WWE would be better off when Vince McMahon is dead, but 
And at this point, his face starts to turn red. So if you guys know anything about, um, I, I wouldn't say verbal communication, but it's, it's body language. Once your face starts to turn red, that's sort of a, a hey, I'm embarrassed type of, type of thing. <clears throat> I don't really see why CM Punk would be embarrassed, but maybe he had some goosebumps, some reservations about saying something like this. Because on live television, he said he would like to think that this company, this WWE, would be better off when Vince is dead, but it's not. He says, because it's going to be taken over. CM Punk was yelling, and his face started to turn red at this point. He said, it's going to be taken over by his doofus son-in-law son and the rest of his stupid family. Of course, talking about Vince McMahon, uh, he would like to think that the WWE would be better off when Vince dies. But it's not. It's probably going to get taken over by his doofus son-in-law or his idiotic daughter. Yeah, his idiot daughter or the rest of his stupid family. <clears throat> CM Punk then goes on to say something about um, these people being the reason why he's leaving. Um, because they sip off of some collector's cup and then uh, he'll sign merchandise for him or something like that. He... he says a lot about them wanting to shove the merchandise that he sells or the merchandise that they're looking to buy. They want his autograph so that he can sign it so that they can sell it on eBay and make a quick buck. Cause they're, um, something about they're too lazy to get a job. Another reason why he's leaving is because he's barely promoted. He's not on any magazine covers. He's not on uh, promos of the show, like the opening to the show. He's not on uh, any network TV shows on the stupid USA network. He then goes on to say that he thinks it's a little ironic that they run this whole anti-bully campaign, which is what I was saying earlier, that it is a little ironic that they run this whole anti-bully campaign because Vince McMahon is about the biggest bully that he's ever met. He even says before his rant ends, before they cut his microphone off, that let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon. And then after that, his microphone stops working. <clears throat> so there's a few things in this rant that if you was to pick it apart, if you was to look up the date in question that CM Punk himself goes on to say some of these things, you would figure that if this was not like some sort of, um, wouldn't Peacock just cut it or for that matter, wouldn't WWE for that matter, just say, Hey, just edit that part out. You know, we don't, we don't need them to hear about that anymore. They can find it on YouTube if they're looking for it. But I mean, maybe even WWE posted it to their YouTube channel, but it, I mean, like Eric Bischoff said, controversy creates cash, you know, um, maybe they seen this as like one of their jumping off points. And they said, I mean, to me, something's inconsistent. Something smells fishy here. You know, why do you cut the man's microphone off if you wanted him to, 
you know, go rogue, so to speak. The very next week, he would show up at the middle, in the middle of the ring, he would open the show for Monday Night Raw, right? And he would show up in the middle of the ring, and he would have a bullhorn this time, one of those fucking megaphones that you can uh, almost talk into, um, <clears throat> like a, like this, I would assume, my volume probably got a lot louder whenever I did this, but whenever CM Punk would do that, he said he's going to make sure that his microphone doesn't get cut off this time. Which, he's breaking a few of the rules that are sort of the unwritten rules of professional wrestling, such as telling everyone, everyone who will listen, he goes around and he tells them, hey, look, uh, I'm going to beat John Cena. And sure enough, he will beat John Cena. But see, you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to be allowed to do that, to just go out and give the result of a pay-per-view match, almost like it's a prediction. I'm putting that in air quotes, by the way. <clears throat> but the good news is whenever he says, hey, I'm going to go beat John Cena, he doesn't say, hey, uh, not only am I going to beat John Cena, but I'm going to beat him via pinfall. I'm going to beat him four minutes and 25 seconds into the match. Uh, after that, Vince McMahon's going to chase after me or he's going to give me the middle finger. I'm going to blow him a kiss. You know, like he doesn't tell everyone what's going to happen at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. However, he sort of tells everybody what's going to happen at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view without actually giving away the actual result of the match. Just It comes off almost like he's just this cocky heel figure that he just wants to let everyone know, anyone who will listen, for that matter, I'm going to beat John Cena. And that's impressive. That's a flex. That's, uh, I'm going to be making money, you know. Whatever else that he had to say was, uh, he says he's not on Conan O'Brien, he's not on Jimmy Fallon, which John Cena's been on both shows multiple times, and Punk does make a good point. If CM Punk is as entertaining and, and as good as someone like Paul Heyman would make him out to be, and Paul Heyman, in all honesty, is one of the best promoters that this business has ever seen, CM Punk should have been promoted more uh, throughout his run uh, throughout his run in the WWE. <clears throat> next episode uh, that drops should be on Sunday or Monday. So the next episode of this podcast that drops should be on Sunday or Monday. Um, uh, depending upon when I get the free time, I will look at the... Also, another thing that I wanted to do, but I didn't do right just yet i'm going to try to look at the merchandise sales of cm punk at and around this time um this june 2011 it was like the third week of june 2011 if i can find the merchandise sales for uh, cm punk and then see if he was one of the top sellers for the wwe Uh, WWE really begs the question, why wasn't CM Punk ever promoted if he was uh, one of their biggest stars? That goes back to the backstage politics that I was talking about earlier. Um, it played a role 
as well as uh, the whole ideology that this is not just script, not just the script that uh, Punk was told to read out on live TV at one point. <clears throat> at that time, uh, CM Punk's uh, best friend... Uh, since their uh, friendship has fallen out of favor. Yeah, so at one point in time, CM Punk um, alludes to the fact that he talks to one of his best friends. Um, well, he's no longer his best friend because since then they've had a falling out, but you'd have to watch some documentary about AEW in order to understand why. But anyway, um, CM Punk looks at one of the cameras and then he says, Hi, Colt Cabana. How you doing? And for those of you who don't know, Colt Cabana was a professional wrestler. Uh, I want to say Canadian professional wrestler uh, who worked for uh, WWE for a little bit. But then afterwards, he ended up... Um... It, like... Somehow WWE ended up firing him, I want to say. And then, like, CM Punk's had many uh, different friends who have worked for the WWE, and he brought that up too, not during this rant, but during another one, um, that he goes on uh, weeks later. CM Punk has had many of uh, friends who have worked for the WWE who have been fired ultimately for little to no reason. And it's not because, you know, WWE wanted to fire them. It's simply because Vince McMahon surrounds himself, and that's also what Punk says here as well. WWE surrounds himself with, I'm sorry, Vince McMahon, not WWE. Vince McMahon surrounds himself with yes men, glad, happy yes men who who will go out of their way to do whatever it is that Vince asks them to because he pays them so much. They're afraid to tell Vince McMahon no. So instead, they just say, yes, yes, sir. Oh, yes, Mr. McMahon, yes. Oh, that's a great idea, Mr. McMahon. Would you like your coffee, Mr. McMahon? Okay. Can I have that raise, Mr. McMahon? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. You know, they just go on and on and on. And there's practically no one who has a backbone who's willing to stand up to Vince McMahon. He pays them way too much. And they do absolutely nothing except tell him what he wants to hear. CM Punk even says it here. And like I said, it begs the question. If Punk was scripted in saying all of this, why was his microphone cut off? Why wasn't there someone who came out and then just said, Hey, hey, Punk, you're going a little bit too far. You know, this, that, and the other thing. And there have been many other... Um, 
uh, journalists, I want to say journalists outside of the WWE who have pointed out the fact that did CM Punk say something that was a little bit too much, a little bit off color that they would have to cut his microphone off? Or <clears throat> maybe it was all scripted to begin with just to create some buzz around the WWE, just to create some controversy. This is like the JFK assassination of WWE. <laughs> because it, for me, I can sit here and just rant about it all day because there's so many layers to this conspiracy. Okay, so the last part of the rant for uh, CM Punk, he goes on to say, he then goes on to say, uh, maybe he'll go defend the WWE Championship in New Japan Wrestling. Hell, maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor, uh, which isn't a choice anymore, but back in 2011, uh, it probably was. <clears throat> um, Anything like that, but... If he was to hypothetically end up uh, doing that, you know, let's say hypothetically 2011 walked, went ahead and came around and CM Punk was to win the WWE Championship. And instead of doing what he set out to do, you know, name dropping uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling aside, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that he would be in some sort of breach of contract unless the other company in question would have had some sort of deal that they were working together. In this case, WWE doesn't work together with anyone except their own uh, third-partisan companies. Uh, if you were to walk, if you were, were to want to work with um, you're going to uh, buy you. Yeah, so if WWE wants to work with you, they're going to buy you out. <clears throat> I didn't make that, I didn't mean to make that sound like I was going to a bayou or a um, uh, fucking Louisiana swamp. To get full creative control of the domain unlike AEW, who will work uh, with you, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, CM Punk then goes on to confirm something that I already knew by saying that Vince McMahon, for some reason, always surrounds himself with yes-men who would bend over backwards to see uh, Vince McMahon happy because they're paying him so much money. He then goes on to say, let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, referencing the whole uh, Be A Star program anti-bully campaign, but then his microphone gets cut off, and there shortly after, usually whenever the show fades to black, usually whenever WWE fades to, brat, to black, rather, what ends up happening is they'll show you the WWE logo flashing on the screen. This time, that didn't happen. They just cut their cameras. 
<coughs> Once again, adding more lividity to the whole entire, hey, we ain't even got time to flash our fucking logo. Uh, somebody back there was mad. I'm going to imagine. Somebody back there got pissed off. Was it in breach of contract for CM Punk to come out and say all these things on, on live television? At one point, he even looks at the camera and says, whoops, I'm breaking the fourth wall again. Okay. Okay. I mean, maybe. Maybe not. Thank you all so much for joining me. Um, my name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast, and conspiracy theories aside, <clears throat> I hope you all enjoyed this episode, because I know I enjoyed making it, despite the fact that it took me forever and four days, three or four days, to fucking make it, and the next episode should be out Sunday, no later than Tuesday. Thank you all so much for joining me. Good night, everybody. That's a wrap.